promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 48. Great is the Lord, and highly to be praised in the city of our God and the Lord's holy mountain. Beautiful and lofty, the joy of all the earth is Mount Zion the summit of the north, the city of the great king. God is in the citadels of Jerusalem, revealed to be the sure refuge of the city. Behold, the kings assembled and marched forward together. As they looked, they were astounded, dismayed, they fled in terror. Trembling seized them there. They writhed like a woman in childbirth. With an east wind, you shattered them like the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, may God establish it forever. In the midst of your temple, O God, we meditate on your steadfast love. Your praise, like your name, O God, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad, and the towns of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Make the circuit of Zion. Walk round about it. Count the number of the city's towers. Consider well its ramparts, examine its strongholds, that you may tell those who come after. Mark this. God is our God forever and ever, guiding us even to the end. Amen. Reading is Ezekiel chapter 14, beginning at the first verse. Then certain of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Therefore speak to them and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Any one of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets a stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols that I may Lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel, who are all estranged from me through their idols. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent and turn away from your idols, and turn away your faces from all your abominations. For any one of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult me through him. I, the Lord, will answer him myself, and I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And if the prophet is deceived and speaks a word, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stretch out my hand against him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. And they shall bear their punishment. The punishment of the prophet and the punishment of the inquirer shall be alike. That the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but that they may be my people, and I may be their God, declares the Lord God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, here the story continues, right? 
Ezekiel has been prophesying all these things that are going to come, the destruction of Israel, the destruction of the temple, the glory of, uh, of the Lord leaving the temple, uh, basically God abandoning the place of his promise, the, the promised land for this, actually for the sake of his people, right? To do, to do a work of transformation in, in his people. And here, certain elders of Israel have come to Ezekiel seeking a word, possibly wanting clarification over things that he has spoken uh, in in the past. That that um, you're wanting clarification on dealing with the false prophets that the that he spoke of, for instance, in chapter 13. Maybe uh, they they don't like what they hear, so they've come to him again in hopes that they might hear something else uh, that they want to hear, uh, a different a different word, just so that they might feel better about themselves. And it, and here God teaches a lesson to Ezekiel first, right? He says, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Should I indeed let myself be consulted by them? Uh, um, there's a sense there that these elders have shown up with pretense in their hearts, pretending to be God fearers. And how are they doing this? Why are they doing this? The Lord speaking to Ezekiel says that it's because they've they've had their idols in their hearts. The th- the thinking that that you know they took uh, they they took the people of Israel out of of Israel out of Jerusalem, out of the place where they had built up all of these idols, right? And yet they still have these idols in their hearts. It's this it's this sense of you can try and mortify the flesh as much as you want, right? Uh, it, it's how it's how God, uh, how Jesus talks about the mortification of the flesh, how he says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, which is all very harsh wording <laughs> for us to be able to say that sin is such a big deal that you need to do what you can to try and remove that from yourself. And yet here we have the elders who they've been removed from their idols and yet they still hold those idols in their hearts. And it makes me sit here and think of what sort of idols do we bring before the Lord? When we, when we come to the Lord, do we actually honestly come before him in prayer, wanting to hear what he has to say to us, uh, coming to him, uh, seeking a word, coming to him in his word to hear what he has to say to us? Do we actually want to hear what he's going to say? Or are we just hoping that we might hear a word that will uh, bolster us in our own uh, sin or in our own idolatry, uh, where um, we, we may be carrying around these idols of, of money and sports and, and whatever else. You know, we're, we're in March Madness right now. People, people cheering for their sports teams and, and all those things. Or uh, my family is in the midst of swim season right now with my son. Um, and, and how much, uh, how much do we uh, live and die by what our teams or by what our kids do? Uh, th- those things uh, where Luther tells us that whatever we pl- place our trust in is our God. I would sit here and say whatever uh, m- makes us worry <laughs> has become our God. 
and I'm a worrier. And, and so this worries me, this notion of you can come to the Lord, you, you can be devoted to the Lord, you can hear, hear even, they possibly even are coming to Ezekiel with all the right motives, that they are actually God-fearing, that they know that Ezekiel is speaking the word of God to them and they need to hear it again and again, just like we have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ again and again, that we are forgiven even in our fears, even in our failings, even in our sin, even in our godlessness, even in our idolatry, all those things. And yet the warning to them is the fact that they still are harboring these idolatrous thoughts in their hearts, that, uh, that they, it's a stumbling block. It's this thing that they're, they're trying to go the way of the Lord, but it keeps coming around as this rock in the road that makes them trip and fall. Or, or a sign pointing them in the wrong direction. It says, anyone of the house of Israel who takes his idols into his heart and sets the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, meaning it's right there, it's right in front of you, and yet comes to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him. The, the Hebrew, what I, what I saw with one commentator, a Jewish commentator said, the Hebrew almost basically says uh, that God is saying, excuse me, I beg your pardon, you're, you're coming to me and yet you don't have me in your heart. You don't, you don't seek me there to, to where I've already spoken to you. Instead, you're coming with pretense, wanting to hear whatever you, you want to hear that you have not cast those other gods behind you. Uh, exposing the house of Israel here. Uh, for what it is, is, is what God is doing and us as well. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the Lord will answer him as he comes with the multitude of his idols. God will speak and it might not be a good thing because he says that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are all estranged from me through their idols, exposing Israel for who they are, but then grasping their hearts. This, this, this idea of, um, it's not enough for Ezekiel to speak his own words, to be his own preacher. It takes God coming to do the surgery that his word can do to rip out the stony heart that we have and give us a heart of flesh. We're going to be hearing about that in a little while. Holding the house of Israel responsible for what it is uh, that what is in their mind, basically, what, how, how they devote themselves. The, the, some of the commentators were talking about how they're still clinging to their, uh, these uh, idolatrous ways, these magical arts, these things that he was ca- speaking against in the previous chapter of these magical bands and, and things like that, that they were still clinging to, to, those, to those things. And, and so it is that God is going to come and he's going to do this thing in which he is going to uh, uh, rip those things out and it, those things are going to be made known. That, that God is going to speak and they're not going to be things that can be hidden from us. But instead, they are going to be right there in front of our faces. It, it's kind of like what, what Jesus says in Luke chapter 8. Verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar, puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to the light. Take care then how you hear for the one for to the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This notion of these secret sins, these secret lives, these, these secret idols that we carry with us. Well, those are going to be exposed. 
Christ is going to come and steal those things away from us, which is a good thing, church. It's a good thing. And, 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 and to try and help ourselves uh, to, to understand that this is us regularly. It's almost as though when we come to church, when we come to Bible study, when we open the word of God, when we pray every morning and evening, th- those sorts of things, these should be moments of God's scalpel of his word coming to cut out the cancerous tumors of our idolatry and our sinfulness to, to work in us the daily repentance, the daily death and resurrection that God is to do in us. He goes on to say, thus, you know, therefore say to the house of Israel, and this is what he's speaking of, repent and turn from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations. Put those things to death. Die to those things your idols and your former way of life. Die to those things and be raised anew. And that's that should be our regular prayer, right? To, to return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. That that we, we want to repent, to return, to turn ourselves back to God and have that former life be killed, be destroyed in us through the work and, and, and power of God in Christ as his spirit works in us. For any one of the house of Israel, or over the strangers who sojourn in Israel. I love this, that it's not just for the chosen people. It's for the people who have attached themselves to Israel, even the, the so, sojourners, the strangers, who separates himself from me, taking his idols into his heart and putting the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and yet comes to a prophet to consult through me. I, the Lord myself, will speak to him. The, the Hebrew basically says, for my own sake, I will speak. I will speak on my own behalf. Here, here the, the strangers could possibly be one of two things, either people who were already attaching themselves to Israel before the exile or to Babylonians who came to faith while the, the Jews were there in Babylon. Either one, this, this uh, working of God that we see happening. And we see it even in the in the historical portions of the Old Testament, right? Where we have uh, God doing work with Nebuchadnezzar, God coming and speaking to Belshazzar, uh, and and then the work that God does through Darius for for the people to return to Jerusalem. So we have these strangers, these sojourners that have attached themselves to God, and yet we also find in them stumbling blocks that come along, sin that comes along, and it gets they they get thrown down be, because of it. Here, here saying that it's it's not just the non-believers; it's 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 everyone that has attached themselves to the Lord, and yet is is not made a new creation. You're going to fall because you're going to have these idols, these iniquities in you. And yet it is, that is the work of Christ to come and put that stuff to death. As Christ speaks of binding up the strong man and pillaging the goods. That's what our prayer should be. Come and steal these things out of my heart, O God, that I may be yours, that I may be yours. And I will set my face against that man. I will make him a sign and a byword and cut him off from the midst of my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord. A sign and a parable is basically what the word means. Meaning that that he's going to be an object lesson for everyone else. That, That God is going to do this work in this person so that he can be used as a preaching point to say, Look, repent, return to the Lord your God. 
allow those idols, that idolatry, that sinfulness, that godlessness to be put to death in you and attach yourself to me, the Lord says. And, and here even he speaks to the prophets, right? Um, a- after talking about how this, this, uh, uh, this, this person, whether they be an Israelite or a stranger, is going to become a sign and, and a parable, a, a, uh, a warning sign, a, a making them a desolation for the purpose that they may know that God is the Lord. Again, we continue to hear this, that God is the Lord, God is the Lord, God is the Lord, to know that I am the Lord, your God. He then turns to the prophets and says, if the prophet is deceived, if someone who's supposed to be a prophet, supposed to be a preacher, speaks a word, and, and here it's, a, it's an interesting turn of phrase. I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, meaning God working to deceive that prophet. Or it can also be phrased as a question. Did I deceive that prophet? Either way, it's placing it in the hands of the prophet, not necessarily God. That, that it is that when God comes upon a prophet, the word happens to him. And, and so these prophets, when that uh, word is not happening to them in such a way that they speak uh, for uh, the Lord uh, to the uh, to the people. It, it is God using that prophet as a stumbling block for the people to work a particular thing. And 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 this shouldn't be this should not be something foreign to us. We we see God doing that um, in Second Kings. I'll turn to it here um, in Second Kings chapter twenty-two. Uh, when uh, God is looking for someone to uh, deceive the king so that uh, he might go into battle and, uh, and, and be killed. Or, no, it's 1 Kings. Sorry, 1 Kings. I was looking there in 2 Kings. I'm like, uh, no, that's not the right chapter. <laughs> uh, um but here you have uh, you have Ahab and the false prophets, right? And uh, it finally you have uh, Micaiah, a, a true prophet, coming, who Ahab hates because Micaiah never speaks what it is that Ahab wants to hear, and and he says this, and the Lord's uh, let's see, and Micaiah said. In verse 19 of, of chapter 22 of 1 Kings. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. This this uh, lying spirit, this deceiving spirit sent by God, uh, not because God is a liar, but so that God might allow the sins of Ahab to be his downfall, his own pride, his own arrogance, his own thinking that he is the most powerful being in the universe when it is actually God. And, and that's a weird thing to read, right? And yet that, that's how God can work. God is the Lord, right? He can do whatever he pleases. And, and so it is that this, this, uh, this prophet gets, de- gets deceived to lead the people down the wrong road. 
but then it's also to do a good thing. And they shall bear their punishment. That is the prophet and the inquirer, the one who's come to the pro- They will bear their punishment, but it's for a purpose. Verse 11, that the house of Israel may no more go astray from me, nor defile themselves any more with all their transgressions, but they may be my people and I may be their God, declares the Lord God. The purpose of God with you, even in punishment for sins that you commit, is to put you to death and raise you to new life in Christ. It's to put to death the old creation and raise you up to the new creation that that it is that that how you are right now in your own hearts and your idolatry and your sin and your worries and all those things god is going to continue to work on those things discipline may come hardship may come suffering may come it's why christ speaks to us about taking up our cross daily and following him the christian life is not about being happy and healthy and wealthy and wise and all that stuff it, it is the work of God in us to transform us, to put us to death, to raise us up. And that's the prayer that we have to have church regularly, begging that God would find the, the, the cancerous gangrene of our soul to cut it out, that he might raise us to new life in him, that we might have nothing good in us apart from what it is that he grants to us. Let us pray. Bend your ear to our prayers, Lord Christ, and come among us. By your gracious life and death for us, bring light into the darkness of our hearts and anoint us with your Spirit. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, prayers of mercy and grace and peace to you as we continue through Lent. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of the fourth week of Lent. Uh, pretty soon it's going to be Holy Week. Uh, prayers that God continues to grow your faith and love for him and for one another. Uh, Please continue to share this with others. Uh, If you've enjoyed it, uh, you can send us a note, uh, send us a review, uh, uh, give us a review wherever you listen to this so that more people can find us, uh, that God's grace might be poured out into our hearts richly in all that he has done for us in Christ. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.